When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You will probably Nathan have will be time impervious for that. to have uh, a bad time for for Gen Con. There's there's a lot there's a lot to see and do. But like uh, Tyler, we can't. Henry, goodness me, I don't think we can hear Tyler. Oh, I think hello? I saw no yeah. one. What? Um, let's see. You are not, as far as I can tell, muted. Um, but no input it seems. Mm. Check, check. I, I, I would check the input check. connection check. in Zoom settings. Yeah, is it just pretending for a different mic that doesn't exist? Hello. Hello. Yes. Tyler's been uh, saying all this good stuff. I'm so uh, sorry. We just haven't been <laughs> hearing it. <laughs> you mean no one heard me on my Indianapolis catalytic converters bit? Oh, oh, come on. Oh, oh that would have been so good. It'll be, it's on it's the, in recording. the recording. Though. We can splice it <laughs> into edit. It's fun. <laughs> What if we convince them that the sea was safe? <laughs> Whoa. Like like uh to like set up hmm. shop and like this is to land <laughs> to so, return to the sea. In the in the weeks and months leading up to the event, what if they suddenly heard rumors of individual merchants suddenly going on the old ocean trade lines and making tremendous hmm. amounts of money? But we can't find them because we don't go those routes. What if, and we hear all these rumors and someone went on an island vacation. How is that possible? And it spins out. So by the time the event happens, it's legitimate thought. It's something that they want to explore. Well, I suppose I could be bringing a little bit of uh, unusual featherweeds from across the sea. Very Where difficult could it be to get from, hold of. Possibly. Where could it be How from? How could we have gotten there? And we know that there's a ton of it there, but uh, we just uh, we have to track it down. We need all hands on yes, deck. Yes, it, it doesn't travel well by air, you see. Uh, the, there's a there's a uh, uh, before it, before it is in its final form. It um. Unfortunately, traveling by air removes some of its luster and value. So we have to go by boat. People in the- it's very <laughs> arduous. Very I, I will say a part, part of this plan hinges on a, a, a slight risk. And it could mm-hmm. be a slight risk. You, you have no idea. You're assuming that the Red Feather Syndicate, like you, has no explanation as to where this strange feather weave has come from. Ah, mm. well, but, yeah, they may. But they may. You, mm. like, truly, that is an unknown. Um, and probably mm-hmm. everybody who is in that room is not going to be privy to that information if anybody mm. is. Um, not not a terrible thing. I'm just letting you know 
as as uh-huh, players uh-huh. that yeah. part of that plan hinges on that assumption. I don't want you to necessarily run away from it because I do think it is cool and interesting, but it is a a thing that you'll probably need to look into somehow. Yeah. Hey, you know, I uh, I, I I play lots of Blades in the Dark where you come up with a cool plan and then do it before you dwell on it too Don't hard, think about it. and then you do a flashback <laughs> if things go wrong. It's fine. Um, but ultimate, ultimately, ultimately, I just want to make them terrified. The idea that uh, it it feels almost delightful to be able to go and run this and then leave just normally and then as they try to go about to their wheelings and dealings and daily business and they find themselves for some strange reason foiled at every turn every checkpoint already subsumed every deal usurped and undercut just haunted by that loss of information essentially i want them to uh live to tell the tale <laughs> about how uh, <laughs> I want them to live to tell the tale about how uh, pirates have managed to haunt their enterprises at every turn and they just don't understand why. I can't think of a single thing that would motivate a red feather more than the idea that someone else is making money that they're not making. <sighs> as, as a GM... I think this is a very cool plan. The idea to steer the syndicate towards rocky cliffs, taking advantage of information that is probably extremely privileged. Uh, What you know about the Golden Feather Weave is that it was housed on the civility, a, you know, flying fortress that they expected no one to ever trifle with or hit in any way. Uh, so taking advantage of that information and using it to uh, make a big gambit of steering uh, certain red feather captains towards the sea, like mm-hmm. at the event itself, at the ball itself, there are plenty of people who are not going to be in this inner circle of planning. And if you circulate that rumor, they could probably be using their private resources to head towards a metaphorical rocky cliff face uh, mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. heading out towards the sea to see if there's any money to be made there. Uh, because we all know the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> and then there is this larger thing of controlling potentially red feather plans moving forward whether you are mm-hmm. just leaving with a copy of their itinerary for the next 5 years and who is responsibility who has responsibility for what or you're a decision maker in the room actually steering them towards bad stuff uh mm-hmm. you know these are all different degrees of risks but i think these are all extremely good plans um depending on Mm -hmm. how you carry them out i i love the idea of thomas the terrifier uh assassin (laughs) for hire back on the scene being asked to kill that foppish annoying guy (laughs) who got a seat at the table and you're like yeah okay (laughs) it's not a subtle spy work it's it's big burly punchy in the mouth right and in the nose where where you, the bones kill your brain, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but 
yeah. hey, you know, vi- visible grizzly assassin work yeah. uh, while <laughs> is, I think, obvious, right? It's like, there's no way there could be subterfuge there. A person just dies. This is what is supposed and to occur. just got murdered. Straight up murdered. <laughs> yeah. Gable, I got to ask, when was the last time that you were Thomas? It's been a bit, unfortunately. It's been... I would say that if they have memory of me, which they might, I'm not the most subtle individual. If I made my presence known in this arena, mm-hmm. their own surveillance mechanism protects me. I am fairly confident mm. in that, that because the veils of secrecy, the fact that I was turned against the other, it was in their best interest to keep me an internal secret. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily need to disguise myself. Oh, okay. That's that I had a follow up question. <laughs> uh, I mean, in the sense that I shouldn't, I'm, I'm big, I'm large, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be front and center for things just as, you know, an intimidating presence. Um, what assassins are yeah. front and center? <laughs> just right there in the middle. <laughs> Hey, I'm just, gonna kill mm-hmm. you. Now I'm gonna. How me, do you do? Me? Hey, here to kill you. Just a proper like Batman the animated series star lightning. Just a silhouette of Gable, seven foot tall. Oh my god, I would just die from that. You wouldn't need to use a sword or nothing. <laughs> what I am interested in the internal surveillance of the Red Feather Syndicate. Hmm. My personal agenda, if we could. If you would allow me to take a, a diversion during this endeavor, just to, um, if anyone knows if and when my siblings have appeared and at what time mm. and where, it would unfortunately be them. So I may at one point need to take a diversion to gather that information for myself. Oh, this isn't an office, Gable. I'm not keeping you to a timetable with a scheduled lunch. As long as we manage to get where we need to be, I'm more than happy for you to be doing extracurricular activities. <laughs> I'm happy to take PTO for it. Pirate time off. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, well, is mm. is there... Would these routes and this information have... Have logs of where potential feathers may be and been picked up? It may be something that their information networks have been looking into. We do not yet know. But as we continue to uh, rub elbows with red feathers, uh, we may get a pretty good impression of what kind of things they're looking to find within the information archive. If anything, I would bet that they have that information but have no wisdom as to how to use it mm-hmm. that it's just a log of things that are happening mm-hmm. and no mm-hmm. one there knows or cares enough that to make it meaningful very like historical occultist behavior where it's just like we're just gathering this information about funny old bones and weird circles in the ground we don't know what it means it's going to be cool so we're going to write it all down just in case it's i think the thing that i'll say is you probably you know that the people who are primarily concerned with feathers are the church um more more so than than the red feathers themselves uh the red feathers have a close relationship with the church so being Mm -hmm. aware of the location of angel feathers or recovering angel feathers might be something the syndicate tracks because it gives them leverage over the church 
can that be one of the uh one of the people at the function uh is that kind of like venn diagram overlap um proper like papal robes but in red <laughs> i am okay yes if there is a church yeah. representative a slain god church representative who works close with the red feather syndicate abso-fucking-lutely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get like that full kind of like a uh, old school Catholic ostentatiousness. Mm-hmm. There are there are like gold smoke incense senses uh, around around the the robes are are velvety and rich. Catholicism <laughs> is just a play. That's all it is. Hey, you know <laughs> just, they 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 know they know how to do spectacle. Oh yeah, oh, no. <laughs> it's camp. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's unfortunately um, it very camp. camp. <laughs> uh, yeah, that no, that that is that is perfect. That is definitely something that I have that have added to all of this. Like, okay, I think we have a good foundation. I know the hmm. shape of what you are looking for. Um, there are a lot of things that you are as players uh, during this journey that we're going to go on together. Going to need to arrange to be able to do this in a way uh that makes it likely for you to succeed that 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 keeps mm-hmm. safe the things that you want to keep safe and uh you know puts you in the positions you want to be put in so really as we move through this arc think about that as you make your moves mm. because i am also thinking about that mm-hmm. um if the system didn't have progress clocks before it sure <laughs> <laughs> i think at this point the heart bell rings there there is a loud ringing i think each of you like at the first ring the conversation like slows and stops and you listen to the number of times the bell rings uh Obviously, in maritime tradition, the number of times a bell rings indicates different messages being passed back and forth. And obviously, Mm -hmm. you are waiting to hear what message is being conveyed right now. And of course, it is the number of tongs from the bell that lets you know land has been sighted. (gasps) Gable turns to John. You did it. I just want to say you did it. Excellent like, like work, Janet a, Kessler. Give you a thumbs up. You did it. Janet is not uh, not trying to conceal his two step of joy right now. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Star watching. Hey, are we are we good here? Can I? Good? Can I? Can I go? Yes, let's go and see uh, what the land looks like a year in the future. As Janet like bolts out the door and and goes up the stairs, like, no one gets to say land ho until I see I get to say it. That was my stipu- that was my stipulation. <laughs> someone would have absolutely said it by now. Absolutely someone said it by now. If anybody said land ho, I'm throwing you into the sea. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I didn't say it. As you get up top, like, there is an excited energy in the air, but it is a nervous and contained excitement. I think Jonnet's voice, like, calls out over the deck mm. of the ship. Um, and it would echo were it not for the fog. The fog swallows voices in some way, but there are also not many voices on the top deck. There are still many people who refuse to raise their voices at all right now because of their superstitions about the Mariner. Um, Mm. And I think were Jonnet Kessler 
any other person, specifically any other adolescent on the Uhuru, uh, there would probably be a, 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 a chiding, cajoling, like silence uh, that, that that they would shoot at him uh, as he is putting the ship at risk. But everybody knows if the heart bell rang because of land, it is because their young star watcher charted the course that took them over the frozen hateful sea towards the land that holds the ship's salvation that will provide them the fuel that the uhuru needs to reach its next true port and not only that every member of the crew knows whether they have witnessed it themselves personally or heard stories about it from other crew members who were there, that Jonnet Kessler faced the Mariner personally, crossed blades with that wicked thing, something that the only other person they had heard about doing something like that was Oromar Vale himself. Jonnet's voice pours across the deck, reaches the ears of people who are maybe even just below the main deck as he calls out if anyone says land ho it is me who gets to say it (laughs) all of them hear this not just their navigator reminding them who guided them to safety but on some level a challenge against the force they are so terrified of they will not raise their voices above a whisper I think Jonnet makes his way to the top. He's like making his way to the front and people that he he is as as much as a kid can be. He's like chest out like a proper uh, like this is a a small captainly stride. Like I think the people that are that he walks by kind of offer up like like elbow bumps to him is like good mm-hmm. j- or <laughs> they do a bit where it's like I'm imagining it's like your your pointer finger and your middle finger. You just do a quick like clash. It's like good job. Oh, <laughs> like that. Um, and so he's like he's doing this like back and forth, back and forth. Makes his way to the front, and so he's going to double check that there is enough forward momentum that like we are not going to run out of fuel and drop <laughs> and drop like into the sea. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to look to his left. He's going to look to his right, maybe hope for like a nod from like Gable or or something like that. And then he's going to like take a big old breath and is in almost defiance of the idea that the Mariner could be listening. And he's going to Mm -hmm. land ho! Like what you see, especially like like moving to Jonnet Kessler's familiar position uh, above the broken figurehead on the Uhuru pulling out your spyglass, piercing through what is still technically a thick fog. There's this hope trying to be weighed against this realism, potential shame if if things are not right. But yes, there is this slightly darker blob that must be land on the other end Mm -hmm. of that lens. And you let out that call and there is a celebration on the ship. Uh, I think 
people discharge firearms towards the sea. I think that is like kind of a tradition. <laughs> shoot at the ocean. As you're passing <laughs> the sea, you're just ocean. like, fuck <laughs> you, ocean. Fuck <laughs> you. Um, I think instruments come out. I think people start to mm-hmm. sing. There is definitely more food than ever being passed around the ship. People are ready to land. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oromar, uh, or actually Gable, Gable, you knew what part of the world this was. You, uh, I, I think it was your realization uh, that pulled up that like, oh yeah, a place that is going to be nearby here will have mm-hmm. um, uh, turf to burn, will have uh, uh, more peat uh, that the Uhuru can dig up and use as fuel. I want to know what is this land like that is so close uh, to a pole? Um, it's not, but it's not Arctic. Land. It's, this is not Arctic. So this would be like the southernmost tip of South America. Uh, this could be like uh, islands that are that are, you know, uh, chaining off of the southern edge of Australia. These are like places that are close to what would be an Arctic place, um, mm-hmm. but not quite there. I guess it could yeah. also be, you know, very northern Canada or or Russia. I like the idea that these are a funny combination of the Galapagos and Falkland Islands that mm. just that combination of yeah this is there uh that has a lot of peat here it's it's mm-hmm. wet it's boggy and i don't know that much about the falkland islands i'll tell you F- that. falkland uh, is is big sheep territory which i think ter- matches mm-hmm. up with mm-hmm. what you were talking about but there's also sort of that darwin level like these these turtles are weird <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of thing going on just like mm-hmm. a lot of very fun funky animals with just mostly sheep herders and last the point of last resort before you go into the arctic sort of uh shipyards mm-hmm. all right then i am going to draw a luminary because if this is a place that can support sheep the question that i have as your gm is are there typically people here? And I want to know that because the Uhuru is going to be emerging from like the the Arctic. And these are the first people that you encounter if mm-hmm. they recognize the ship. Um, the rumors that are generated here will probably not spread very quickly, but they, mm. they would be rumors at all, which could be trouble for your group. Yeah. Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, this week we have launched our Kickstarter for Skyjack's Courier's Call Season 3. At the time of this recording, we are well over half the way to funding to our initial goal of $12,000. 
However, I got to level with you heroes. I'm not interested in the 12,000 because I want to hit our $15,000 stretch goal, which will get us 30 new episodes of Skyjack's Courier's Call. If we hit 12,000, we get 15 episodes, which is going to be wonderful and lovely. The cast of Courier's Call has been working very hard on this new season and they have really great ideas, but I want to hear all 30 episodes and I need you heroes to help me get there. So, if you're a fan of Courier's Call or a fan of Skyjacks in general, I urge you to go to the link in our show notes or head to bit.ly slash cc season three and sign up to back the project. That money pays our cast and crew and goes towards making the new season of Courier's Call the best it can possibly be. Right wrongs and do mercies, heroes. Heroes, I also want to ask your help for my new publishing project, the Ultimate RPG Campfire Card Deck. Campfire cards are a role-playing tool designed to help your characters get to know each other. The best gaming experiences I've had have been with parties where the characters formed strong relationships and had really interesting dynamics together. And campfire cards help you do that in a way that's easy and fun. And I need your help because I need to get more reviews for my game on Amazon. If you head to bit.ly slash campfirerpg or just look up campfire cards on Amazon, you'll find a page that needs reviews. Those reviews help the product get seen by more people, but my publisher pays close attention to them. And I'm currently trying to convince them to publish a role-playing game for me. And the better any of my projects with them do, the easier that will be. So if you purchased a copy of Campfire Cards, please head over to Amazon and leave a review for it, no matter where you purchased it. As always, a huge thank you to our backers over on Patreon. You make this show possible. And I'm so excited about this show and the episodes that we have coming up, which means I am extremely grateful to you. Just head to patreon.com slash one shot podcast to ensure we can keep this show coming out on the same schedule. Now then, a quick word from our sponsor. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. These are the first people that you encounter. If Mm -hmm. they recognize the ship, the rumors that are generated here will probably not spread very quickly. But they mm. they would be rumors at all, which could be trouble for your group. Yeah. The Union. That's generally speaking a very good card. Let's mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Fulfillment, harmony, wholeness, love, and community. Oh, mm-hmm. that sounds good. I have an idea that I think might be silly. The port is run by two people. Uh-huh. This old couple. Mm-hmm. And no one ever comes frequently enough to notice that they've been the same age forever. Yo, I don't need to add shit. more immortals. Yo. <laughs> but you're nev- no one's ever there long enough to kind of figure out like, huh, how, how could you possibly know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one ever looks at them close enough to be like, huh, you look great. <laughs> Wow. How long have you been running the port for? And they're like, oh, generations. <laughs> uh, Liz? But are you specifically? Uh. <laughs> I love that you have made this choice. This is a delightful choice that I will accept with open arms. Yeah. This is a port that is extremely infrequently operated. We've established that this is shepherd territory, which to me, like, 
I think these islands are, you know, large-ish. There's like a lot of bogs. There's a lot of grassland on here. And I think maybe ships come once or twice a year and it is to pick up. No, I think it's just once a year. It's to pick up wool, you know, mm-hmm. that have been sheared off of the sheep. These sheep are domestic sheep, so they are growing their their wool on a schedule. So no matter the 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 season shifts or whatever, red feathers are only coming by to pick up wool once a year. Mm-hmm. I think the union being generally a favorable favorable card towards the players that is already either passed or is a, a, a long way off from from being scheduled to happen. So mm-hmm. the Uhuru is kind of in the the free and clear there. The the wrinkle that I'm definitely going to add to this is Gable has definitely met these people before. Yeah, um, <laughs> and probably it happened when Gable before Gable went to the Saratura. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, you draw, the Huru draws closer to this port. Um, And I I think like it takes a minute. You emerge from the fog. All of a sudden you are over a sparkling sea. I am going to roll to see what season it is. Ah, you emerge in winter. The air is still crisp and cool. Uh, you, You still need the thick jackets that you are carrying through the harmonic convergence. Um, you can see your breath as you exhale. Um, but the sun is... The sun is out. The sun will only be with you maybe for an hour or two. You have the great fortune of being able to come upon this island during the very short period of time that a place this far away from the equator will have sunlight during the winter season. You approach and pull in, and I believe like the sun is kind of already setting as you are pulling in. The light plays across the clouds in these beautiful reds and oranges as you like lay down lines for this ramshackle port. The lanterns in the head of the Uhuru, their light was answered by the, the lights of the port. You know that although there are not many people here who are expecting you, the Uhuru is ready to be received. For many crew members, Hmm. this is another exhale. They let out a partial breath as the ship emerged from the Queen's Forest and managed to supply itself and hailed it once again as they crossed the sea. But now, Hmm. we are finally ready to relax a little bit. The ship lands. How does the Uhuru greet this tiny port? Hmm. What plan have you set up and put in place, Oromar? I think it's pretty pretty open, honestly. Uh, it's one of those things where a lot of the uh, members of the crew are maybe up on deck uh, not a direct line of sight to the people in the port in the event that 
you know, these these seem like a very a very n- a nice duo of people. But uh, should the circumstances immediately turn hostile, uh, there are people in place where we can literally use the high ground to make sure that we are are, are not immediately overrun. But otherwise, Oromar, I think, steps off the ship first. Who can be accompanied by by Jonathan Gable? Honestly, considering they're, they're members of the council, he walks pretty open armed, not personally armed, uh, or not visibly armed. Towards, are they both out there? Just one. Of them? I think, yeah. What you see, you you pull into this port, you can see a uh, sprawling grasslands before you. It is still kind of like a misty, moory, foggy place. The port itself. Is a wooden construction. Uh, I think it can really only accommodate two ships. And the Uhuru is probably slightly oversized for for a ship Mm. to enter this port. They can make it work, but it's taking some doing. And a lot more of this is going to lean on the crew uh, than the port staff. People here Mm -hmm. are dressed in wools like a lot of wool clothing um Mm -hmm. i think it is dyed lightly uh with some greens but for the most part it is white wool the -hmm. person who greets you is you know they have a wool cloak they have a wool hat they have this like finely carved crook that is made Mm -hmm. out of a beautiful wood that that has been stained uh, a light brown. It is covered in symbols. And I think mm. Gable is able to quickly recognize that this is angelic script, that this would be, you know, the the branching loops and, and, and paths uh, that run from the angelic uh, script. I think anybody else would just go, mm, it's a religious type probably. But uh, this person stands tall, like they, they are like six five, like like definitely have an imposing frame, made all the more imposing by the the thick wool on their body, um, mm-hmm. and they call out, "Ahoy there, travelers!" Ahoy! Uh, thank you for receiving us uh, at your at your port. Uh, sorry that this is possibly an unexpected arrival. I'd say you're probably a bit lost. (laughs) We are indeed, actually, uh, and in uh, desperate need of rest and repairs. So uh, we are more than capable of being able to pay our way, if that is what is required. But we uh, come with no hostility. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that well enough. Uh, No hostility meant here either. Looking at your crew, I don't think we'd be able to offer much resistance, though we'd only be able to pay in wool, perhaps. And uh, (laughs) much of that was sold off quite recently, I am afraid. Uh, You've had recent visitors? Aye. Ships pass through about once a year. Once everything's sheared and loaded up, we, we see it on its way. You said your name was Vale? Yes. Loromar Vale, the pleasure hand extends. I am gonna make a roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the full how name. cool cool he is. <laughs> that name sounds awfully familiar, traveler. Oromar smiles widely, but not unkindly. I'm glad to hear that. 
Wish and I could say the same. We, uh, we offer no resistance here. And again, uh, it's quite good to hear that you don't mean to bring any hostility to my port. We're simple folk here, and we try to keep our lives as simple as, as we live them every day. The Red Feathers operate this port as it is, and the wool that we grow here is sold to them. And many of the long-term goods that we depend on, we, we trade for them when we trade off our wools. So mm-hmm. I don't know what we could offer you without jeopardizing things that we come to depend on. If you catch my meaning, sir. I see. Well, you're in luck. Unless you're staking claim to uh, the natural fuel resources around your settlement, I have nothing that I'm interested in taking from you aside from safe haven. Uh, if uh, the red feathers are due to arrive imminently, then again, we have no hostility towards you, but we will protect ourselves should they arrive and be hostile. But it sounds like you're not expecting any visitors for a while. Dave certainly already passed through here. I'll be quite honest, dealing with you would necessarily mean, on some level, betraying them, if you catch my drift. Uh, and do we lay claim to the natural resources of our land? Well, I think if you think about that for more than a few minutes, you'd have your answer. So, Hmm. if you need something from me, I don't particularly feel I have anything that I need from you. So the offer that you'd have to make to me would have to be fairly considerable. And (laughs) the thing that I'd expect from you would be fairly considerable in return. You see, the Red Feathers could never know if we dealt. Um, And I think at this point, there there is another figure uh, emerging Again, mm-hmm. decorated in these similar clothing. Uh, I, I think there is more design uh, in their wools. It is it is more of like a, a, a dress and cloak. The greens are actually woven throughout this cloak mm-hmm. to have a similar angelic design, uh, angelic script design, where they will put a hand... Um, I think this person stands taller, taller th- th- than uh, the 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 six five of the other. I think this is like perhaps mm. just a bit shorter than Gable. Mm. Puts a hand on the shoulder and just draws a finger up to point towards Gable. Mm. And well, Captain, it seems we must be in our way. The less time here spent, the better. It seems. But we just got here. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we do need supplies to be able to leave, uh, which is not necessarily a delightful negotiation, but it seems our uh, absence from here is of value to you, and you can help expedite that. And we can make it easy. Um, there is a glance over towards Gable. What's their body language like? What? How they? How are they feeling? I don't think I've clocked it yet mm. i'm i'm very concerned with the immediate aggression we were just met with mm-hmm. no it, as a result like of that kind of immediate uh like a uh, uh, aggression of us arriving what's what what's your what's your kind of like demeanor like from the uh 
immediate non-friendliness when we arrive. Tent, uh, a little steamy. Uh, I feel like mm. if it's raining, like there's a little bit of steam coming off of their huh. <laughs> shoulders. Cool. Just, I've not traveled for dozens of weeks to be met with petty political squabbles when we could just as easily navigate. We have just enough fuel to get us to whatever the next island may be. We, It is better for them. It is better for us. We must be on our way. Uh, we'll be on our way if you would like to stop staring. We'll be on our way. My partner here has reminded me that uh, part of our way here is hospitality. And if you be low on supply, it would be quite rude to simply turn you away, especially if it would be hard to take off and turn away if you had no fuel. Perhaps some negotiation is in order. Very well. Uh, I would be more than delighted to uh, sit down with you and your compatriot and hash out the finer details um, just to make sure my men can be at ease. Aye. Again, we mean no hostility to you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when dealing with uh, Red Feather associates, uh, their words might not be their words, but I trust you. And he puts his hands up and snaps his fingers, and it kind of reverberates a little bit. And uh, the folks who are kind of like peering over the top of the deck are kind of like, okay, okay, we cool, we cool, and kind of back down. I'll make it clear enough to you, Mr. Vale. There are no red feathers that make their homes here. Simply folk who depend on the feathers to live. Of course. And I am uh, more than happy to, as I say, supply you with coin for your time and hospitality. And I will leave it up to your moral conscience uh, where the money from people that uh, are politically unaligned with you sits well with you and your spirit. The captain smiles. (laughs) Perhaps this is something, then, that we could discuss over a meal together. Allow me and my partner to invite you and uh, your closest associates. Um, He says, like, kind of eyeing the (laughs) ship up and down and seeing just how many people are aboard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One or two, at most. (laughs) The rest of them... Maybe not so much. They'll figure out their own shit. (laughs) Seems like you'll figure out your own shit for most of you, but you and your closest associates come to our home for dinner uh, and we'll speak on behalf of our community and see what we might be able to offer each other. Of course, hunger is a novelty that brings humans together. A sentence that to them makes no sense. Captain, Um, that was a weird thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Although, uh, while I have introduced myself to you, I do not believe you've uh, given us the pleasure of your names. Name's Laniel. And this would be Cerise. Um, And the, the, the larger of the two, like, makes a hand sign uh, that indicates a greeting. Um, it is very formal greeting, but it is a greeting. Mm. Charmed is <laughs> all that RMI think at this point offers. Are you hungry, Jonathan Kessler? Gable? I could eat. 
Of course. Um, and, and I think, uh, Jonathan also has like a small bag that's full of like gold bits, just kind of like at the ready, like as Mm. just like prepared to give some kind of offering. And he kind of like, he pulls it out from his bag, kind of like shakes it a little bit at the captain is like, "Eh? Eh? yeah, yeah, a good call, a good call. Uh, he puts and I guess bag. we make our way. Yeah, um, I I think we zoom out to get more of a bird's eye view of the Uhuru on this like medium sized island. It is lush and green. We can see uh, the white and and black and brown dots of different sheep herds like uh, moving back and forth across the island the the wooden constructions that make up the ports the you know faint spattering of homes here and as we zoom out from this bird's eye view we can see that the homes themselves make up this single word that would be in the angelic script. It is the line that that has like this vague eye shape in it, just made of all the different buildings. That word is haven. A sort of like barely construed, like this is, uh, I think actually like it runs through the translation of like the true angelic script and sits like halfway between what the church uses and what the angels actually spoke. And it would be a, a word for one of the lower rungs of heaven. Oh. Um, mm. it oh gosh. Zoom- These aren't loyalists, are they? <laughs> it zooms out. Hey, you created two immortals that I did not know about until you created them, so I have no idea what they represent, and we'll find out. He could have just made them turtle people. (laughs) Oh, why didn't I think of turtle people? people? (laughs) It zooms out as we we see the Uhuru crew like enthusiastically roping up the ship, tying it to port, and getting Mm. ready to disembark on their captain's orders. Pages pass by once again, until the scrawl becomes more ordered and sensible, leading us to an entry that is dated roughly 13 years later. I have taken an education. The positions I wish to hold now, I must adjust myself, my speech, my mannerisms. Being the butcher savant served its purpose for some time, but in the upper echelons, the tighter circles... There is an expectation of both knowledge and behavior, and one may not be substituted for the other. I have returned to this work of my youth because there are some revelations that are not suitable for academic minds. They are too fragile. The church teaches that 
the stars fell because of humanity's sin. That there is something in us so offensive, it poisoned our Creator, and that, in turn, shattered the world. And they are half right. He was felled by his creations, but it was not men. It was the angels. And they are the same stars that fell and broke the world. And yet, the fallen still walks fear. But even that pales in comparison to the true revelation. Their power can be obtained. I know now the true nature of the feather. It showed me the nature of systems, the structures that sit behind the flesh of creation. The world is broken. This is known even to those that don't see. Father spoke of when the seasons flowed in order, when the seas did not harbor horrors, of when there were nations and kings. I do not see the value in those things, and I do not seek return to those days. The world is broken, but it still functions. There are systems at work, systems to learn, and the key to that is learning about angels. The next entry is on the following page, entered three years later. Where to begin? I have learned much. There is still more, but I have come an amazing distance from where the son of a butcher started. Though, I am still the son of a butcher in so many more ways than I could have understood. But I get ahead of myself. I need these words down and in an order that makes sense. The scrawl becomes troubled here. There are many labored attempts to write and rewrite the same sentence before it becomes coherent. I need to pull the truth from my mind, force it to bear in the light. So, let us go back. The feather opened up avenues to me. It allowed me to tap into power, to see systems and break them as needed. Those abilities helped me locate my first fallen, an actual angel, a creature from the stories, or at least the surviving fragments that remain after the sovereign's justice. Surprisingly easy to spot once I knew what to look for. Angels weren't just created to adore the Sovereign. It was their lot to keep the whole of creation in motion, each of them a part of the system. They represent what is broken in our world now. Any angel cast down retains pieces of that inherent nature, some part of their original role writ into their form. Look for the broken places and the people that fill them. The strong ones, the ones with will and grit, there you will find a fallen. Here the letters lengthen and slur, taking nearly a quarter page to write a single sentence. Make the cuts I have, explore in the way I do, and fallen may find you. 
Once again, the scrawl devolves into incoherence before restoring itself on the next page. My time is short. I can hear screaming in the laboratory. It must have woken up, which means the work must continue. I leave this entry with a final note. Angels fallen, or otherwise, cannot die. A curse bestowed upon them by the dying sovereign. Or perhaps death is a gift that never belonged to them. But while they cannot die, they can come apart. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Tyler is on strike alongside his fellow members of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. You can support Tyler and other striking artists by contributing to the Entertainment Community Fund, linked in our show notes. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT or streaming at twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become, or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.